0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ash Wednesday is a time of solemn reflection, a time to consider all the things that would keep us from God, and to remind ourselves that we are dust and to dust we shall return. But if you didn't know that it was Ash Wednesday, if you would have just woken up today and thought that it was just any other day, you would have just gone on your normal merry way, right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, work, retirement, however it is, vacation for some of y'all, right? It would have just gone on your normal course of action. But the beauty about being a Christian, one of the things that's great about being a Christian is that where our lives would be shaped by ourselves and only by ourselves, we are then conformed to the Word of God by extension through the church and through the church year and the church calendar, right? Right? That if it was just any other Wednesday, you would have just gone on your way and not thought twice about it. But since it is Ash Wednesday, it is the beginning of a season of Lent, we are given a great opportunity. A great opportunity to do what not a lot of people do. And that is to stop, to think, to reflect, to pray, to confess our sins be absolved. So in a lot of ways, we are tempted on this day to um, do several things, and depending on your own proclivities, you may fall into one of these categories, but when Jesus says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, but when you fast, you should anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Some of us would say, you know, we would fall into the camp that says, so what are you giving up for Lent, right? What are you giving up? Well, I'm giving up sugar, right? I'm giving up carbs. I'm giving up alcohol, whatever. That's fine, that's fine. That's fine the thing is is that then there's the other side where we could fall into it and say well you know that old fasting thing isn't that just like antiquated isn't that just old fashioned I mean I am a Christian I am free in Christ so I think I'm just gonna give up giving things up for Lent how do you like that one right because I'm free in Christ right but we must be careful lest we become exactly like the people that Martin Luther talked about in his small catechism, where he says that they take the freedom of the gospel and they abuse it like experts. Right? Then, yeah, we are free to not fast on some level. Because then what do you do with Jesus when he says, when you fast? Not if, but when. There is an expectation there. There is an expectation from our Lord that we would engage in some self-denial. That we would deny ourselves and do exactly what he says, which is take up our cross daily and follow him. There is some expectation there. So if you do want to fall into the camp that says, I'm free to do whatever I want to do or whatever I don't want to do, well, be careful. Because you're actually doing exactly what you shouldn't do. You're falling off the other side of the road. You're doing exactly what Peter warns about in our epistle, right? That he says with all these qualities of faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now again, we do have to be careful, right? Because when you just begin there, When you begin with these things, it begins with the law. What is Peter really talking about here, though? He doesn't begin with these things, but these things flow out of something else. They flow out of that third verse. His divine power, that is, Jesus our Lord, his divine power has granted to us all things, Not with you, but with Christ. It begins and ends with what Christ has done for you. So when you come here, piously bowing and praying and receiving those ashes, remembering that you are dust and to dust you shall return, get the order straight. You are not here according to your own free will. Christ has led you here. His word calls you here to hear it all the more, right? To receive his gifts all the more, to strengthen you, because after all, you are just dust. And to dust you shall return. But that's not the end for us as Christians. We know that in the end, we will not remain dust, but we shall be resurrected on the last day when Christ comes back, with a glorious shout and a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and he will raise us all from the dead. From where we are dust, we will be flesh and blood, glorified, perfected, just as he was on that third day after his death. And that day will be a glorious day, one that will be full of joy and singing and praise and thanksgiving to our Lord. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We are on this side of glory. We are behind this veil of tears. We look through a mirror dimly at this point in time. And so we must be on guard. We must be steadfast. We must be patient. But not of our own accord. But only by the strength that Christ supplies through his blood shed for you. So that when we go forward in this time of penitence and faith, repentance needs to be remembered as something that is a gift from God. Some of y'all who are joining us for our Concord class on Tuesdays have already heard this, but it bears repeating, right? Oftentimes in America, in American Christianity, we hear the word repentance, and repentance is all about what? It's all about what you do. It is all about me showing God that I really care enough, that I'm really sorry enough, and that I'm really faithful enough. I'm going to turn away, and I'm going to show God that I really mean it this time. That's what American Christianity typically holds on to. But we as Lutherans, we like, to, we like to do things a little bit differently, right? Uh, you know, because scripture does it differently. We understand repentance as something a little bit differently. And if you have heard this for the first time, don't worry if it takes a little while to sink in because there's a lot of things to have to reprogram, right? That with repentance, it is not about what you do. In repentance, there are two parts. One is contrition. First, you must be contrite of heart, like Psalm 51 says, right? That the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. God does not despise us being sorrowful for our sin. Contrition is sorrow for sin brought on by God's law. That when the law is preached to you, you no longer have a conscience that is safe and secure. You rightfully have a conscience that is terrified. A conscience that doesn't say, oh, I know I've done something wrong. What can I do to make it up to you? But this conscience, this terrified conscience says, once it is crushed by the law, I have sinned. Now what's God going to do to me? Because there's nothing I can do. And in this time of penitence, we must feel contrition. If we don't do it daily already, right? Like Luther also says in his small catechism, that by daily contrition and repentance, the old, ada, the old man should be drowned in our baptism so that the new man would be raised and live, right? But if we don't do that as a matter of course in our daily lives right now, What better time to do it than now? Lent is here, right? It's a time for us to ponder the Ten Commandments, especially that first one. I could go into all ten, but we don't have a whole lot of time here tonight. Well, we do have all the time that I want to preach for, I guess, but I won't do that to y'all. The first commandment, though, is worth getting into. If you can get past this one, Saying, I have done this perfectly? Well, that's quite an accomplishment. Think about it. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Right? Now, it is worth getting into this a little bit deeper. Because you can kind of read that on the surface and say, yeah, sure, what's so hard about that? But we live in a time, in fact, we've always lived in a time after the fall, where foreign gods, false gods, have always tempted us, have always been trying to pull us away from God, the true God. Now you may say to yourself, Pastor, I don't worship other gods, I don't have a little pantheon in my home. I don't burn incense to these little idols. I don't do that. I'm a Christian. To which I would say, well, it's interesting you say that because nowadays it seems like everybody has an altar in their house, right? Everybody's got an altar. Although it's probably not the altar that has been prescribed by our Lutheran forefathers, I would imagine that the altar in your houses probably doesn't have a Bible on it, probably doesn't have candles, probably doesn't have a crucifix, it probably isn't where your family gathers to pray and to sing hymns and to read the Bible. Chances are that altar probably has a giant rectangle on it with flashing lights. No joke. How often do we spend our time wasting the time that God has given us as a gift in front of a TV, in front of a computer, in front of a smartphone? I mean, don't stop there. How many times do we worry about our financial situation, about our health, about our physical abilities? How often do we waste time bowing down, fearing, loving, and trusting these other things, whatever it may be? How often do we do these things, and yet we don't even think about it? We don't even stop to ponder it. How often do we do, just like Jesus says, we do certain things for the esteem of other people, as he says in our gospel text, so that we may over-exaggerate things. Oh, things are just going really hard, you know? so that others would pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the intention of the heart, when you crave other people's esteem, you've, re- you've received your reward, right? So, contrition, sorrow for sin. Now is the time to contemplate on those commandments to contemplate just how deep the well goes of our sin. But, that is not all. After all, Lent is not a time for us to just continually pound ourselves down into the ground. Lent is not a time for us to continually just flog ourselves fast to the point where we are just wasting away because that's all that matters. No, Lent, just like repentance must also include faith and that's the other part of that's the other part of repentance that first comes contrition which in and of itself let me just recap is a gift from God you would not be contrite of heart you would not be sorrowful for your sins without the word of God compelling you to be sorrowful it is a gift because then you really know where you stand, so that when you hear the word of God that says, Christ has died for you, he has shed his blood when you definitely did not deserve it. He has shed his blood for you so that you would not die, so that you would not remain dust, but so that you would live forever with him. Faith hears this, and it holds fast, it holds tight, because that's where life is found, in Christ. And that is where our strength comes from. Our strength does not come from ourselves. Our strength does not come from our desires or our will. It comes from God. Because his divine power, he has granted to us, All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, that by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In this place, at this time, which is why I'm... I'm, People will ask me, Pastor, are we having communion for Ash Sunday? Are we having communion for Ash Wednesday? And I say, of course. Of course. Because in this holy meal, in this body and blood of Christ, under the bread and the wine, in this great meal, you are strengthened. Because his word tells you that it is so. That Our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, does not lie to you. He does not deceive you, saying, This is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So you would come and be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That from this meal, from hearing these words, from being contrite in heart to grasping with faith the promises of God and Jesus Christ, you would go forth from here bearing fruits of repentance, not of your own will, but of the will of God, so that you would no longer see the law as something that is burdensome, but something that is joyful, because it's no longer something that you must fulfill. It has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ for you. It all comes together. It has to, because that's how God works. And it is glorious and wonderful, because in this, you do not remain dead. You do not remain dead in your sin and trespasses, but you now live with God through Jesus Christ. So that when you hear those words of Christ that says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is not a burden. That is a joy. Because the burden, the cross, has been carried by Christ. May this thought be your meditation throughout this Lenten tide. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.